The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. We are continuing today in our study in the book of Hebrews. This time we've come to the eighth chapter. You may recall in the seventh chapter, we learned about the better priesthood of Christ. In the eighth chapter here, we learn about the better covenant upon which his priesthood is based. As a matter of fact, as we've already seen, the overall theme of the book of Hebrews is better. Join us today as we continue looking at the ways in which Christ is better than anything they had under the law. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
if you will, to the eighth chapter of the book of Hebrews. We're going to continue our studying here tonight, but be in prayer for me. As I said last time, we're in the deep waters of Hebrews. <laughs> you know, we've been dealing with the warnings up to this point. Remember the context here. Remember the purpose, the overall purpose of the book of Hebrews. It appears to have been written to these Jewish Christians who had been Jews all their lives and had converted to, to Christianity and now we're suffering great persecution because of it. You see, there were uh, some, some benefits to being a Jew in the Roman Empire. In every other case throughout the Roman Empire, throughout history, when they conquered a people, they would require them, they would let them keep worshiping the same way, but they would also require them to set up an altar in their temple to the emperor or to uh, their, their gods, and that, the gods that were uh, promoted by the Romans. But in the case of the Jews, they let them alone because they realized initially it was a, uh, some, a lot of persecution there. But eventually they realized the Jews would fight back. The Jews were, um, were monotheistic and only devoted to Jehovah God. And at that time, they had the true worship of God. But when Christianity came on the scene and suddenly they were no longer, uh, they were considered a sect of Judaism, but they were no longer Jews per se, they didn't get the same treatment. And so they could con these Jews who had converted to Christianity could convert back to Judaism and be left alone a lot better. Uh, they, they would not, no longer be persecuted by the Romans like they were, and they wouldn't be persecuted by their countrymen like they were. So it was very tempting. They got under persecution. And so what the writer here has been telling them is don't fall back. Three or four warnings there. Don't fall back. Don't let these things slip. And then he even gets up to the point where he said in chapter uh, 5 that they were at a point where they should be teachers, but instead I'm having to teach you the fundamentals of the faith again. And don't, don't get into that position. And then he says, he moves on at that point, to talk about some of these deeper things. We saw last time in chapter 7 that Melchizedek was an example as a type or a shadow of Christ. And if you, if you look at chapters 7, 8, 9, and 10, you're going to see in those chapters that the theme is better. Everything is better. That's actually the theme of the whole book of Hebrews, is better. And the heart of Hebrews is in these chapters. Chapter 7 was about a better high priest. Chapter 8 that we're going to be talking about tonight is about a better covenant. Chapter 9 is about a better sanctuary. And chapter 10 is about a better sacrifice, the sacrifice of Christ, which was better than the sacrifice of, of, of the bulls and the goats. And so that's, what we're, that's where we're at in this book of Hebrews now. After the warnings, now he's saying, here's why you don't want to go back. You don't need to go back because everything you have now under this covenant is better than what you had under the old covenant. And that's the theme of tonight here in chapter 8. So... Let's look here in chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. Now notice what we're looking at here. We're here talking about a better priest. And that's sort of piggybacking off of chapter 7. That's what chapter 7 was about, was about the better priesthood of Christ. 
And Christ, remember, was a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, understand that Melchizedek, Christ was not following Melchizedek. Melchizedek was following Christ. You see, even though Melchizedek is, uh, appears earlier in the scripture, he appears back in Genesis chapter 14 before we start talking about Christ. And in years, centuries before Christ was born in Bethlehem, yet that ministry, that priesthood that he filled was foreshadowing the priesthood of Christ. And here's the summation of it. Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have this kind of high priest. We don't have the old earthly Levitical high priest. We have this kind of high priest that has already been described in chapter 7. And if you remember verse 26, this is, you know, what, it, what kind of high priest? We have such a high priest. What kind? For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. That's a pretty good high priest, I would say. <laughs> holy, harmless, undefiled. I don't know a preacher today that's holy, that's harmless, that's undefiled in every way. Every preacher I know has issues with sin. Every preacher in our church has issues with sin. We're all sinners. Why is that? Because we're descendants of Adam. We are born with a sin nature that Adam passed on to us after he fell in the garden. So there's not a high, you don't have a preacher that's wholly harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. He's right there, a part of sinners. I, as your pastor, am right there in the middle of you. I know there's some religions that seem to elevate the priests and elevate the preachers and even make them popes and that sort of thing to where, you know, well, when, when they're filling this office, they're much more spiritual. They're much higher on a higher plane than us. But, beloved, I want to say to you that your pastor is not only on the same level as you, he's really just a little bit lower than you, okay? Of course, I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about any of these other preachers. They're better than me. But they're still lower than you, <laughs> So, you see, I feel like the least of the least. I feel like I'm a, I am a sinner. I am not separate from sinners. I am right in there with every other sinner. And yet our high priest, though, the kind of high priest we have is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. You know, another thing we saw last time about those priests, those old priests under the Levitical code were only priests. They couldn't be kings. But our priest, our high priest, is both priest and king. Those old priests, they dwelled among men. They were of the tribe of Levi. Our priest is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. You know, sometimes we, as men, we go to, uh, I go to a lot of banquets and places like that. And usually if it's a banquet, it's honoring somebody and they'll have a head table. Okay, you know, I, I went to one not too long ago where there was a fairly famous person there and the person who invited me to go originally said that I was going to get to sit at that head table. Well, it didn't work out that way, Uncle Mackey. They were, they were wrong or lied to me or something. I don't know what they did. But anyway, whatever it was, I didn't get to sit at the head table. But I could look up there and see who was sitting at the head table. And guess what? It wasn't the janitor and it wasn't the waiter sitting at the head table. It was the people who were the highest in esteem at that place. That's the people that they were honoring. They're the ones that were sitting at that head table. You know, when I, if, I go to, if I get to go sometime back to England and get to go to Buckingham Palace, the closest I'll get 
is to see the changing of the guard outside the palace. I mean, unless you're the president of the United States, you don't get invited inside to go sit up. And even if you're president of the United States, you don't get to sit up there beside the queen. You don't get to do that because that's reserved for the highest of the high. The most esteemed people sit in the highest places, even among us here on this earth. And sometimes we get it wrong. But here's what I'm saying to you. is when you're looking for the high priest of all high priests, where should you look? You should look at the highest place. And the highest plane is at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's, he's, we have such an high priest. How great a high priest do we have? He sat on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Buckingham Palace is nothing compared to where our Lord is sitting, you see. That's, think about all the ways he is better. In so many ways he is better. He is seated on the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high. Now think also about all the ways his ministry was better. Think about all the ways his ministry was better. Notice it says in verse 2, he's a minister of the sanctuary. The, the word minister there is... Greek word is liturgos, and it's a combination of the word for people and the word for business or occupation or labor. And when you put them together, it, it becomes uh, a public servant, or, or specifically on religious matters, it's a functionary in the temple. And it's the word that we get our word liturgy from. Well, liturgy is just public worship conducted according to a prescribed format. That's what liturgy is. That's what, like in the Old Testament, uh, there was a specific liturgy that they had to follow. They had certain washing of hands, certain trumpets blown, certain uh, things would have to occur at a certain time by certain people. It was a prescribed form of worship. Now, our liturgy today is a much more relaxed liturgy. And we're going to see in a moment that there's another, that's another reason that our, our covenant is better than the old covenant. We're not... I don't have to dress in a certain way. I don't have to wash my hands in a certain way. I don't have to slay the right animal and sprinkle the blood in the right way in order to be able to come in here and to preach for you. I can just, you know, I can even sleep late <laughs> and get up late and rush over here. I don't even have to wear a tie, although I would, you know, feel funny not wearing one. But I, but I, I, I don't have to do anything particularly. I can wear a, this suit this week and I can wear a different suit next week. But in the, in the Old Testament way of worshiping, there was a specific the detailed liturgy that they had to they had to perform and they had to follow. Well, notice that what he's talking about here. Our God, the Lord Jesus Christ, our high priest, he is. There was a very detailed prescription for worship in the Old Testament, but today we understand that the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled all that. He is the great high priest, the great minister of our liturgy. He orders the worship. He ministers the covenant. And he does so perfectly and eternally. And one of the reasons we worship so simply is because in our worship, we're showing forth the simple message of salvation by grace alone. I believe that's one reason that he wants us to worship so simply. We're not, we're not a, we don't worship in a complicated way. We, you know, some, some churches, if you go to them, they're very complicated. Certain things have to happen at a certain time. Certain music has to be played at a certain time. But in our true, what I believe the true form of worship under the new covenant, it is a simple worship that shows forth a simple message of salvation by grace. 
And notice, he says, he's a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. <laughs> I like that. I like that. You see, the true tabernacle was pitched, that is, put together by God and not by man. The old tabernacle was a shadow of the true tabernacle. And that's why Jesus' ministry is not a shadow ministry in a shadow tabernacle for a shadow covenant. It's a true ministry for a true tabernacle for the true covenant, the new covenant. You know, there never was any permanence in the earthly worship, was there? Especially under the tabernacle. The tabernacle was made to be taken down, put up and taken down, put up and taken down. Everywhere they moved, it was put up and it was taken down under a prescribed way. The closest they ever got to permanency in their worship was when they built the temple. When God blessed them to build the temple and, and it was destroyed twice. And the only thing left of it today is a wailing wall over there. You see, there's never been anything permanent about the earthly worship. The ministry of Christ is better. And think about all the ways that what he is ministering for and how he is ministering is better. Look at verse 3. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Okay? Well, that's what a priest was there for. He was to administer the sacrificing of all those animals. And ultimately, he himself, on the Day of Atonement, was to offer that sacrifice, that yearly sacrifice. You remember the, story, you remember the account of the scapegoat. They would have two goats, and one goat he would... Uh, he would slay the one goat for, as a, sacri a sin offering and then he would lay his hands upon the head of the other goat and it would be, that goat would be led out into the wilderness uh, by the hand of a fit man to be turned loose after he had confessed the sins of the nation over his head. He was the scapegoat. You see, he did all those things. And, and it says earthly priests had to, they offered gifts and sacrifices wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. And what he's just saying here is that because Christ is also a high priest, he had something to offer as well. There was something about what Christ was doing. He had gifts and sacrifices to offer. Well, we know ultimately it was the sacrifice of himself and he gave gifts to men in doing so. Isn't that something? He did the exact same thing that the earthly priest did, only on a grander and a greater and a better scale. And he wouldn't have been able to serve on earth. Look at verse 4. For if he were on earth... He should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve under the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the patterned, pattern showed thee in the mount. Christ wouldn't have even been able to serve as a priest under the, under the Mosaic law. We, we saw that last time, but remember that point. He was not of the line of Levi. He was, a, he was of the line of Judah. And remember, under the law, you couldn't have a priest who was also a king or a king who was also a priest. That was forbidden under the law. That's why Christ's priesthood is after the order of Melchizedek, who was both king and priest. And he also predated the law. And he also, his ministry was expanded beyond the law. It wasn't just to Israel. It was to, all, it was to others beyond the uh, boundaries of the nation of Israel. But notice verse 5 now. This is, this is, I think, very important for us to remember. It says that these things that we're talking about, the priests 
the things that they're ministering for or ministering unto are examples and shadows of heavenly things. You see, the ministry under the law was simply a shadow of the true ministry of Christ. The covenant of the law was a shadow of that which Christ was fulfilling, you see. Now, I want to ask you a question about it. I know people like to go back into law service all the time. There are some denominations in the Christian world today that try to import some of the old ceremonial law into their worship today. There are some that claim that we continue some of the things of the Old Testament. Some of the Old Testament law worship is incorporated in some other ways into our worship today. But I want to ask you something. Would you prefer the shadow of a Cadillac or the Cadillac itself? My advice to you, don't go try to sit down in the shadow of a Cadillac and drive it. You don't get very far. Brother Adam and Sister Hannah are about to get married in just less than two weeks. Wouldn't it be something if they had never seen each other? All they'd seen was each other's shadow. Wouldn't you like, would you like to pick your spouse based only on their shadow? Oh, Brother Chris, I, I've seen Sister Hannah's shadow. I know she's going to be beautiful. <laughs> but you know, those shadows can be distorted, can't they? Sometimes we see them in a different light and we see them in the wrong light. But you see, the point is this, is we don't want the old law service. We don't need to go back to the law. As a matter of fact, Paul, in writing to the Galatians, chastised them uh, about that. Over in uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, this is what he said to them. He said, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And he's about to go on to talk to them about the law, and we're going to come back to that in a moment. But understand what he's saying here is this. You are, you're out there. You, you've been taught free grace. You've been taught that, that what Christ came and did was all that was sufficient and all that was necessary and He completely saved you from your sins. And now you're wanting to go back to that old legalism that says, well, Christ was mostly, He mostly finished the work, but He just didn't quite get it done and the rest is up to you. Do you really want to be entangled with that yoke of bondage? Do you want to go back to the shadows? I don't want to go back to the shadows. I want to stay in the light, you see. You know, when the light is shining, when the noon sun is straight overhead, there's not many shadows, are there? When the light is shining the brightest, you don't see the shadows. And that's what he's saying to us here is that we're out of the shadows now. And we're into the light. And that's where we need to stay. The things that Christ ministers for are better and the way we worship Him today is better than it was before, which brings us to verse 6, and we begin here looking directly at a better covenant, okay? He said, I'm going to sum it all up. We've got a better high priest, okay? And He's the high priest of a better covenant. So look at verse 6 now. But now hath He obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also He is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises, better promises. What he's saying here is that old shadow covenant, that old earthly covenant, 
that mere shadow of the new heavenly covenant is passed away and Christ has obtained a more excellent ministry based on a better covenant that's founded upon better promises. What are you talking about here? Okay. Well, first of all, the old, now, now there was nothing wrong with the old covenant. We'll see that in a moment. It wasn't the covenant that was the problem. Okay. But notice that the old covenant promised that the Christ or the Messiah was coming. And the new covenant affirms that he has come. That's the Old Testament versus the New Testament, you see. The Old Testament, it was pointing us toward Christ's first coming. The New Testament points us back to his sacrifice on the cross. And affirms, by the way, that he's coming back again. See, we're not looking for his first coming. We're looking for his second coming. All those old ordinances and sacrifices, they could not and did not obtain anything. They didn't achieve anything, but they just pointed us toward the one who was coming to obtain it. They showed that there had to be a sacrifice by showing all those daily sacrifices. Not one sin was put away. Not one sin was rolled forward. Not one sin was touched in any way by those daily sacrifices or even by the yearly sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. What it did was it was a remembrance of sin. It reminded them they were sinners in need of a Savior. But notice what here it says. Now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry. You see, he hath obtained it, not will obtain it. And see, that kind of reminds us of something we're going to get to in the next chapter. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.